how are you now? Ooh. How are you? Bloody late. Well, early, really. It's uh, like 3 o'clock in the morning right now where I am. Um, <laughs> folks, your Montreal Canadiens win. 3-1 to one over the San Jose Sharks. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And uh, Tank Nation, let me talk to you for a minute. <clears throat> let me talk to you. I know. And I get it. You're probably pretty upset about that one. San Jose is a team that is currently behind the Montreal Canadiens in the standings and therefore ahead in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But there is not all bad news in that loss. All right, so let me get through the recap real quick and uh, I'll talk about it a little bit. So, you know, we start the game. Uh, first shot on goal for the Montreal Canadiens comes from who? It comes from Denis Gurianov, the new addition. It doesn't go in, but whatever. Good start for the new addition. We're feeling pretty good. First shot, first shift. Doesn't score, so no Mario Lemieux on this one, but hey, we'll take it. However, very shortly after that shot attempt, or the shot on goal rather by Gurianov, uh, puck goes into the Habs end and Justin Barron has it behind the net, mishandles it, gives it away into the slot. Nico Sturm kind of whacks it out and finds itself on the other side of the slot on the stick of Jacob McDonald. He shoots, he scores. It's one nothing for the San Jose Sharks. The Habs outshooting the Sharks, particularly at even strength through the course of the first 20 minutes, but your score is still one nothing for the Sharks after those 20 minutes. Second period now, <laughs> very different. Sharks absolutely outshooting, outchancing the Habs, uh, but it feels like neither team really wants to score. Now, I know, um, let's be honest, right? No players and no coaches ever tank on purpose. Tanking is something that can only really be done at the management level. You know, you trade away the right players. Um, you know, you trade somebody that's currently helping you win games or maybe making games closer. Uh, trade your goaltender. Do do whatever you can to kind of kneecap the coach and kneecap the players a little bit and put your team in a position to lose more games. It's never going to be the players, right? The players, they're always, uh, it takes an insane level of competitive drive just to get to that level of hockey an insane level of talent just to get to that level of hockey. You don't just throw that out the window because you know you you want your team to get the next and best thing in the draft. So I don't think that any of these guys were <clears throat> purposely trying not to score in that period, but it felt like they were. If you watch that period, like honestly, there was a lot of botched one-timers. There was a lot of uh, missed shots. Um, I mean, <laughs> Mike Matheson. He missed two that were like comically bad. And I'm sure Mike Matheson wasn't trying to miss those shots. They were just comically bad. So it was just a funny period because there was a lot of shot attempts, um, more for the Sharks than there was for the Habs. By the end of the period, the shots were 35 to 20 in favor of the Sharks. So it certainly looked like the Sharks were trying to score, but they, again, they were still missing the net a lot and flubbing some of their opportunities. So uh, still one nothing for the Sharks at the end of 40, but uh, that second period felt very tanky on behalf of both teams. Anyways, we go into the third period, and this is where the Habs start to pick it up. Chances at both ends to start the period, very similar to the second, but this time uh, they seem like they're, they're really trying to actually put the puck in the net. And then David Savard 
clears one right off the goal line for the Habs. Kind of a busted play. Uh, pucks trickle into the post. It hits the post, and it's going to sit there nice and pretty for somebody to bang it in very easily uh, with Jake Allen down and out. But David Saval clears it off. And then not too long after that, just over 10 minutes to play in the period, Nick Suzuki, after his own entry, just drops it to the point. Caden Gooley playing in his first game in quite some time coming back from injury, steps into one. Absolute cannon from the point. Through the wickets on Capo Kakin, and it's 1-1. We're tied up. And less, well, a little bit over a minute after that, Rem Pitlick gets loose on a breakaway. He looks like he's going in on a deke, but he's not alone. Jesse Alonen has come flying in on the right side. And Pitlick deeks, Kind of goes off to the left, but then he just lays it out for Pitlick on the other side. He taps that one in. An easy one makes it 2-1 to one for the Habs. Sharks would pull their goaltender. Kacking it out of the net. Trying to get the equalizer late in this game, but it's Christian Dvorak with the empty netter to give you your 3-1 final. Tank Nation, let me talk to you a little bit more. Okay? I said there was not necessarily all bad in that win even though it it hurts the tank quite a bit. The good news here, I'm going to give you two. Number one, your first silver lining or player of the game, however you want to call it, let's go with Caden Gooley. Caden Gooley changed the entire complexion of that game. One clapper, and he ends it. How many times have I said this on this podcast, that one of the tools that you haven't seen very much from Caden Gooley this season when he's been healthy has been his clapper. He tends to favor you know, a quick wrister or a little snapshot from the point that he puts on very quickly but with a lot of velocity. His clapper is a very underrated tool that he happens to have. It's not something that he uses every game, uh, but it's something that when he does use, man, does he get velocity on it. And that shot, I mean, Kakanen was square to it. He, I think he had a pretty good line of sight on it as well and still couldn't get anything on it. Couldn't get a pad, nothing. Stick, nothing. Nothing. That's how hard Caden Gooley can shoot the puck. And here's why it's important to see that in that particular game. Because yes, it hurts the tank. But what's Caden Gooley? Caden Gooley is your number one defenseman of the future. We, I, I think we had a pretty good handle on that early on in the season when he was playing that he could be that player but to see him come back from injury after all that time and step right in and play the way that he did that's important it's extremely important he is definitely a cornerstone of this franchise moving forward i have said this before he's on my personal no trade list i absolutely would not let him go anywhere before this deadline unless you were talking about a ridiculous return coming back the other way. There's no way I would trade him. I think he's somebody they need to hold on to and develop a little bit more into that number one role. And uh, man, it was good to see him back and it was good to see him playing well. So as much as I kind of wanted the Habs to, to lose that one, uh, at least we got to see him playing well. And number two, your second player of the game or silver lining, if you will, Denis Gurianov. I was impressed by Gurianov. He's got speed, man. There's an aspect of his game that kind of reminds me of Josh Anderson a little bit. Um, He had a chance in the second period where he drove wide, and then he cuts into the middle, drops his shoulder, cuts uh, cuts right into the slot, and he gets stopped by Kakinen. But just that play, just the way he dropped his shoulder and the speed with which he gained the zone, uh, it was reminiscent of Josh Anderson. And I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Anderson. I'm not saying he's a an effective Josh Anderson replacement. But I'm saying there's a bit of Josh Anderson in him. And uh, I think that's 
something that the Habs can use. You know, I think it's something that most teams can use. That's why there's a lot of teams that are interested in Josh Anderson ahead of the deadline. But I digress. Enough of the Josh Anderson comparison. Um, realistically, we just got to look at Guryanov and, you know, look at that trade with Dallas. I know Evgeny Dadunov went over to Dallas and in his first game he looked fantastic and he scored a goal. Eh, I mean, <laughs> that same goal that he scored for Dallas, if, if he had that exact same fucking opportunity on his stick with the Montreal Canadiens a week ago, he would have tripped over the fucking hash mark and the puck would have fluttered away into the corner. That would have been it. Game over. Well, not game over, but over with that chance at least. This looks to me like a great trade for the Habs. Honestly, they get an opportunity to have a bit of a reclamation project when it comes to Gurianov. And the Dallas Stars, you know, for better or worse, they're going to have Dadunov for their playoff run. And I honestly, I hope it works out for them. I do. I just don't think that Dadunov is very long for the NHL. I think he's maybe going to come back for another year next year if he does well enough in Dallas to earn it. And then after that, I think he's going to be back in the in Russia playing in the KHL. I, I don't think he's got a whole heck of a lot of NHL hockey left in him. And um, I don't know. I think that was clear throughout the most, for, for the most part this season. Um, I don't know if everybody agrees with me or not, but for, for me, I think this is a great trade. I think he was going to be a tough contract to move, Dadunov, that is. And they get back a reclamation project. And so far, you know, one game in, small sample, but I like what I saw from Gurianov. So I'm impressed. Overall, by the Habs, was not impressed. This is where Tank Nation, I got to sit down and agree with you a little bit. Uh, they shouldn't have won that game. Realistically, when you look at the the shots, shot attempts, overall possession, uh, scoring chances. I think San Jose looked like the better team in that one. And um, man, it it hurts the tank. But I, I got to say, San Jose, they're going to be hanging on to Eric Carlson, it looks like. And that might end up making them a better team than the Habs uh, when, all, when all is said and done. We still got 22 more games this season. Um, I think the Habs are going to make some moves before Friday. We'll see. So far, they've been pretty quiet outside of the Dadanov move, but uh, Kent Hughes is pretty mercurial. I don't, I don't think that he's going to be giving up very easy what it is that he's going to do and what he's not going to do. Um, who knows? Who knows? But if they do make some moves, if they trade some vets, it might get rough in Montreal for the final 22 games from a, from a wins and losses standpoint, and um, that could benefit the Habs. And then I, I see the, the Sharks as being a team that might be able to surprise and win some games from here on out because you know their biggest trade piece is one that they definitely can't move because he's, he costs so much. Like Nobody can afford to trade for Eric Carlson, so I don't know. I don't know. It's... It's a tough year because you, you want to see him lose, but at the same time, it's still fun to watch him win, you know? That's where I run into problems with the whole Tank Nation thing. Is I, I'd love to go all in and be with you, Tank Nation, and to cheer for them to lose every night, but I fucking want to see him win. I do. Like, every fiber of my being wants to see this team win every game that they ever play. So, of course, when they when they win 3-1 to one against the Sharks, part of me is, like, celebrating, but the other part of me is, like, I know I've seen what Connor Bedard can do, and I really want to get him. Oh, oh, it's tough. It's tough. This is going to be um, a bit of a shorter episode because it's so early in the morning here. I need to go to bed because I'm getting a new washer and dryer delivered tomorrow. I got a day off work, so I'm not going to be doing anything other than letting Best Buy in here to deliver my Samsung washer and dryer. Why did I buy a Samsung? I don't fucking know. You tell me. 
Maybe they sponsored the podcast. They definitely didn't sponsor the podcast. So Samsung, if anybody is a sales rep out there for Samsung, I think you should send me some money for plugging your washer and dryer, even though I didn't give you a model number or anything that it does in particular. So uh, you owe me money, Samsung. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Nick Suzuki. I feel like Nick Suzuki has done a fantastic job this year, um, doing the best that he can in a shitty situation. Just look at the way his year's gone. He gets named captain before the year starts. So it's like the ultimate high. It's like you're named the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. That's a pretty great honor. There's some great men that have had that position before you. We're talking Saku Koivu. We're talking Maurice Richard. We're talking Jean Beliveau. We're talking legends of the game, right? And you got to step into those shoes. You get the opportunity to step into those shoes. you got to be feeling pretty damn good about yourself. He steps in, and things are going great, right? He's got Cole Caulfield on his wing. Everything's coming up. Nick Suzuki looking fantastic. On pace at one point, he was on pace for like 90-plus points. I think at one point, actually, early in the season, he was on pace for over 100. And then what happens? Number one, can't find a fucking person to play on the other wing to save their lives other than Kirby Doc, who eventually they need to play center. They can't have him on the wing all the time. And then Cole Caulfield gets injured. And now Kirby Doc's injured. So you can't play with Doc. You can't play with Caulfield. They're the two best players on the team that you've had the most chemistry with moving forward or in general this season. And now it's just a rotating cast of people coming on and off your wings. <laughs> they put Guryanov on there in this game. They also had Mike Hoffman on there. Like, it's gotten to the point where Nick Suzuki on any given day could be playing with anybody uh, from Mike Hoffman to Raphael Harvey-Pinar to Denis Gurianov to whoever the fuck the Habs trade for next. He has no idea who he's going to play with, and still the guy's managing to produce. I know a lot of people, you know, they're celebrating the fact that his production dried up a little bit, but I think you really got to look at it through the lens of, well, look at who he's getting his production with at this point. Raphael Harvey-Pinar. Like, they have a legitimate connection. Like, they're playing quite well together when they're on the same line. And he started the year in Laval. Nobody was expecting him to play legitimate minutes with the Montreal Canadiens this season. And Nick Suzuki was able to produce with him. So, you know, another silver lining, if you will, to the entire season is Nick Suzuki. He's he's the real deal, man. Uh, this, this guy deserves to get the C put on him. And uh, he's performing no matter who they put on his line. He's producing no matter who they put on his line. Yeah, the production's a little bit different depending on who's on his line, but we know what he can do when he has the right line mates. If this team can stay healthy next year, it could be a career year. It could be a breakout year for him. So I'll leave it at that. I think that's a good way to end it. What are we running? A little over 15 minutes, about 16 minutes by the time I'm done with my final spiel here. So c'est une soirée énorme. Pour les employés de soutien, we are on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT, drop me a follow, I would appreciate it very much. I'm also on Substack, mattdrake.substack.com. Give me a follow over there, it's free, and it always will be. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course, à la prochaine.